The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Welcome again, One Fellowship family and friends. My name's Drew Hensley. I'm the pastor of discipleship, and it's really good to be with you today. Um, just opening up the Bible and continuing to look at the book of John, the Gospel of John. So thanks for joining us. This week, Laura and I started premarital counseling with three couples in our church, and we really love this ministry. It's such a great opportunity to walk alongside these individuals that are coming together and they're preparing for marriage. And every time that we do this, every time that we gather with these couples, it makes me think back to 13 years ago when Laura and I got married and all of the what ifs that ran through my mind. What if? This is such a powerful question. On one side of the coin, what if can lead us to amazing opportunities to be incredibly creative, to step out in ways that um, we once thought maybe weren't possible, taking that chance, moving forward, what if? But if you're like me, what if can also lead us to personal questions that can continually haunt us? What if I don't measure up? What if I can't move past my past? What if I'm not good enough? What if they don't accept me? What if I let them down? What if there's no place for me here? What if I don't have the words? What if I don't know enough? What if I'm just not cut out for this? What if? I wasn't 23 and about to get married when I first started dealing with what if. No matter what age you are from 12 to 112 in life and in faith, these questions that challenge our ability, belonging, and worth will creep up on us and they can be paralyzing. You might even be carrying a heavy load today. So instead of allowing these questions that come into our lives to haunt us, 
I want to challenge us with a different question, a much better question, a more important question today. One that is, if answered correctly, has the potential to change everything about how we see ourselves, how we see others, and how God wants to use us. Seriously, this isn't a gimmick. This isn't some quick fix. This is a shift in our worldview and our way of thinking and believing. It's this. What if Jesus is enough? What if Jesus is enough? So let me pray, and then we're going to dive into John as we continue in our new study and look at Jesus' interaction with an invitation to an unexpected group of men. Jesus, thank you for your love for us and thank you for your word. Thank you that we've seen so far in this study that you are the word who became flesh, that you created the world and then that you chose to come and live in it. Not for your sake, but for our sake so that we could be brought into the family, so that we could be brought back to life from death because of our sin and experience new life in you. We pray that you would speak to us now the deepest parts of our soul, the deepest parts of our longing, and even those places that aren't necessarily fun to look at, but that we need to. So Jesus, thank you for being our Messiah. Thank you for being the one we can trust in. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so let's dive into John 1. We're going to pick up in verse 40. You heard it read. Jesus is just beginning his ministry, and here's what we see. One of the two who heard John speak, so heard John the Baptist speak about Jesus and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, if you were the son of God, who, as Eugene Peterson says in the message, has just moved into the neighborhood and you were about to begin your ministry, a ministry that would change the course of history, that would cause us to be sitting even here today, 2,000 years later, that would span the globe, who would you be looking to join your team? Probably the greatest, most esteemed, powerful leaders available, right? The most influential, the ones who had everything together, the ones who had a sparkling resume. Wrong. Instead, Jesus chooses some of the roughest around the edge, no-name fishermen here to join and lead in his ministry. Here's the big idea today for us as we look at this passage. Don't believe the lie that you have to be polished, prepared, or perfected for God to welcome you and use you in the kingdom. Because it is. It's an absolute lie. And it can paralyze us in our life and in our faith. So first, being welcomed into the kingdom. What holds so many people back in life and faith is this lie that you need to clean yourself up or perfect yourself in order to be loved, in order to be accepted. That our imperfections in our past are what actually define us. So many people still don't have a relationship with Jesus today, and not because they don't believe he's actually the way, that he is the son of God, but because they don't believe that he would make a way for them 
to be loved and accepted. They don't feel good enough. They don't feel like they could ever be clean enough, that God would ever really want to love them. You know, so many other religions say that you need to do this to be accepted. You need to do X, Y, Z. You need to work for approval, for your place at the table. But Jesus, Jesus says you're accepted not because of what you do, but because of who I am and because of what I've done. It's only the broken that find a place in this kingdom. It's only the sick. It's only the person with a past. It's only the outcast. It's only the rejected. It's only the person who realizes that they don't have it all together, but believes that Jesus does. And for Andrew and Peter, they were immediately depending on the lordship and power of Jesus, not themselves, as their way into the kingdom, into this family. We know this because of the word that's used here, Messiah. Messiah, defined as the promised deliverer. They believed this was the one that was promised, that ancestors said was coming to save them. Look, we all have a past and things that we still wrestle with, but Jesus, he absolutely wants to be our future. He doesn't want the what ifs to haunt us. He wants to set us free from this doubt, shame, and grief that we can feel and an unattainable standard that we can't really live up to. You know, I love what Jesus says in his sermon on the Mount that he gives, as other religious leaders, the elite who were trying to hold people to this standard that they couldn't attain and they weren't living up to the standard themselves, as they're listening in, here's what Jesus says. He says, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. A statement that on the surface seems so crushing, but when you look deeper is actually so freeing because what Jesus means is that in him, the father sees you as perfect because in Christ, when God looks at us, he sees his son. Not all of our past, not all of our baggage, not all of the things that that we don't want to face, He sees Jesus, the one who is perfect and the one who offers us life. Jesus is welcoming all people from all backgrounds, with all different paths, with all different doubts, with all different questions. He's welcoming us into the family when we place our faith in him, not because of what we've done or could do, but because of what he's done. And not only does Jesus welcome imperfect people into the kingdom like you and myself, he uses them in powerful ways. Look at these next verses. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. 
Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. What we see here in these verses is actually the first sign of evangelism. One brother meets Jesus and he goes and he tells another brother about him and brings him to Jesus. And then another brother does the exact same thing. You know, it's easy for us to overcomplicate what it means to share our faith. Again, a lot of what ifs, I think, start to pop into our head. What if I don't have the words? What if um, they ask a question that I don't have the answer to? What if I don't know enough? Here's the heartbeat of evangelism, what Jesus called us to as his disciples. Not to be professional Christians, but faithful followers who invite and point others to Jesus. We won't always have the right words. I don't always have the right words. I don't always have the best answer at the time, but we have the Holy Spirit who goes with us, is moving around us, and who even goes before us to prepare hearts. We get the opportunity to faithfully follow. You don't need to have a certain personality type with a certain charisma or resume to share your faith. You just have to care. Care and believe that Jesus is who he has said he is, that he has done what he has said he has done. And through faith, by faith, we get to share that good news with others, believing that Jesus is still on this mission of redemption that's unfolding. Think about Peter here. This guy had a raging anger issue that we see come out in Jesus' ministry. I mean, he cuts a guy's ear off at one point. He had angers and doubts. He denies Jesus when it matters the most. He was far from perfect. And yet at the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, Jesus encourages him to love and lead the sheep and to take the ministry forward. Why? Because Peter isn't the hero. None of the disciples are. They are bit players in the unfolding story of redemption. The main role, the main role is Jesus, and their main role is to point to Jesus as the hero. The one who came, the one who died, the one who took on our worst, offers us his best, destroyed sin, overcame the grave that couldn't hold him. When we understand that we aren't even the main characters in our own story, it's actually incredibly freeing and life-giving because it takes off the weight of having to have it all together and hold it all together, and it allows us to hand that back to its rightful owner, Jesus. So let me ask again, what if Jesus really is enough? What if we really are accepted sons and daughters who don't have to prove ourselves to find love and acceptance? What if Jesus wants to use you this week to tell someone in your neighborhood, at your school, in your family or work about him? He does and he will. It will simply be faithful to follow. And yes, we want to become more like Jesus. This isn't a call to complacency in our faith. This is a call not to doubt the power of Jesus in our lives and the lives of those 
around us. The disciples had limited faith at this point, but it was faith nonetheless. And Jesus knew this, even in his, even in his remark about the fig tree and encouraging the disciples that they're going to see far more than they could even imagine. This is why what he says, this is why he says what he does to Jonathan, that Jesus would take the faith that they had, the faith that they would waver on from time to time, and he would use their lives, the lives of fishermen and tax collectors, to build his kingdom. They had no idea what was in front of him, the part that they would get to play in the grand story of life change. They weren't the crew that you would expect. No one would have. But they were the people that Jesus would use to literally change the landscape of the world and turn culture on its head. They failed time and time again. And yet Jesus is so patient with them, so loving toward them, never turns his back on them. And he's not turning his back on you. He's not turning his back on me. Regardless of what baggage we may carry, regardless of our past, regardless of our imperfections. Because ultimately, it wasn't about them. It's about who Jesus is and what Jesus will go on to do. He didn't come to condemn, he came to save. And he's still inviting and using imperfect people to do this today. So middle schoolers, high schoolers, I want to challenge you. This school year ahead and the years to come, use those right now. Don't waste those. But use them as opportunities to point your friends to Jesus, to invite your friends along the way. Maybe that's right now even just taking the step to invite them to a youth gathering but would you invite them and bring them along because God can and wants to transform your schools. He wants to use you to do it. Will you be a faithful follower this year? Parents, grandparents, you don't have to have all the answers. God wants to use you to transform your household and your families. You don't need to be polished and perfect. Will you just be present and persistent in pointing your kids, your spouse, your families? to Jesus. Leaders of companies and employees working out in culture, Jesus wants to use you to change people's lives in your workplace, the people that you interact with every day. You don't have to be the most gifted. You don't have to be the most well-spoken. Will you just be intentional about showing your coworkers, those around you, what it looks like and what it means to follow Jesus? When they face the difficult what-ifs of life, Will you be there to offer them the hope that comes through him? As we interact with people in our neighborhoods, as we interact with friends, as we interact with people all around us that God's put, God puts in our path, will we actually believe this big idea? Let me encourage you with it again one last time, especially as we go about this week together. Don't believe the lie that you have to be polished, prepared, or perfected for God to welcome you and use you in the kingdom. 
Jesus' ministry is just beginning to unfold, but what an encouragement it is to see him welcome these fishermen in and already start to use them to reach others. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are welcoming so many in and that you don't require perfection from us because you are perfection for us. I pray for anyone who may be watching this today, who may be carrying a heavy weight, who may have some of those what ifs popping around in their head. Would you remind them that they are enough, that you do love them, that they are accepted not because they need to prove themselves, but Jesus, because of your grace and your kindness. For anyone that might be listening that is hesitant to actually come to you, to give their life to you, would you speak truth into their hearts right now, letting them know that even with doubts, even with limited faith, Jesus, that you are reaching down and you're reaching in and you want to have a relationship with them as they are right now. May there be no thing that holds them back. Jesus, for your church, would you use us as you continue to build your kingdom? Would you prevent us from second-guessing our abilities and lean heavily into who you are, trusting that if we are faithful to follow you, that we simply need to point more people to you, to your truth, to who you are, to what you've done, because that's where hope, that's where life is found. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's trustworthy. Thank you for our time together. We pray this in your name. Amen.